our test podcast number one. Uh, we were just talking, everybody was uh, talking about Flames of War and everything, and I said, okay, let's do a podcast, and everybody just clammed up and didn't want to say anything anymore, so we're just going to roll it and, and see what happens. Uh, my name is Chris, uh, you know me, may know me as Gazoid online, we got Dan, Howdy. and Stacy. Stacy, you'll know me as Sasmo Twelve online. Okay, and uh, we're heading down towards North Carolina. Where are we heading, Stacy? We're headed to Aberdeen, North Carolina, play at Hit Point Hobbies. For what? I'm sorry. For what? Oh, for uh, we got a 85 point Flames War tournament, uh, mid war. Uh, the gentleman hosted by Robert Camp actually just won the uh, mid war nationals at Gen Con, so. We're in for a bit of a battle. Yeah, we got a reigning champion running the uh, tournament. We have an odd mount, so he may, yeah, I don't know, he may. Yeah, we've got four tables set up. He's, he's already posted those. Uh, got seven people confirmed. Uh, may have a late show or something once we get there, but yeah, it looks like we have seven people, so I'm guessing somebody will get a buy. Or well, I, I brought my German army just in case. Maybe we can talk Bob into playing two, two teams. Yeah. He'll give us an advantage. <laughs> right. Um, he posted the uh, the four tables last night, I think, which I think is a great idea. It's nice to see what uh, what to expect. I hate showing up at tournaments and thinking, you know, it's mid-war, desert. You know, that's, that's all that's out right now. And then we're going to get, you know, cities or, you know, rubble everywhere and, that's just not what the mid-war is about right now. It's about to be with the Eastern Front coming out soon. But I like to know what the tables are going to look like, so I'm just not surprised. Because if I didn't see the tables, I would totally expect pure desert, maybe a desert town or something, but nothing nothing like Stalingrad. And we're not seeing, we're not seeing Stalingrad on the pictures, but... Uh, it's just nice to see that, so, so I feel a little bit better about it. It's like little mountain towns or something. Yeah, I mean, there are towns, but I mean, they, they look like desert towns. He's, yeah. he's got the right terrain, and, and um, it's just nice seeing the setup so that I'm not surprised. You know, I, I bring a tank army, and it's just you know, one big city map. Um, so that, that's good to see. Yeah, the only one board doesn't have any buildings on it. It's got a lot of uh, a couple big hills and some general rises and some stream, I think. Oasis areas. And yeah, got a stream going back and through. So let's talk about the uh, the state of Flames of War. Um, Dan, I know you came in with uh, version four. You played a long time ago, but you remember it all? Version two, version three. A little bit of version two, like it, it was, it was quite some time ago before I played. Like you know, got back in the fourth. Well, I mean, do you remember the rules and how it changed, and or is that all gone now? Uh, honestly, I can't remember. I've had a few concussions since then. Okay, well, <laughs> you, uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing messing you up is the, the rules for 40k. Yeah, yeah 40k and this, uh, like the other day when we were playing, I was sitting there thinking of an assault, and I was like, do I got to roll for my assault? <laughs> Yeah, see if you make it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, I'm not playing uh, World Eaters right now. Right. And uh, Stacy, you've been with me since version two. Nope, version three. Oh, you came in version beginning of version three, three. right? Yeah, very beginning oh. of version three. Yeah, because oh, I, I remember we would be right in the middle of a battle, and you were like, wait, 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 that's version two. We got to do it, do it over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every time you go to a different version, uh, you really get messed up, and they they change quite a bit. And uh, I didn't know what version one was about. I just think the version, uh, the impression I'm getting, version one was just um, a lighter version of version two. I think they cleaned up some things. Uh, version three, if I recall correctly, they did a lot of things like made transports and reconnaissance very useful. They made, you know, they gave them special rules to make them more powerful. I guess to have people, you know, buy more of those models or something's a good business yeah. model. But, uh, yeah, I mean, version two, the reconnaissance and the uh, transports, ju 
just seemed out of place. So I guess they just had to find a place for them, and, and that's what they did in uh, version 3. And everybody loved it. I mean, um, I don't think anybody really had complaints, at least not spoken. But I do remember we got a little bit of fatigue playing version 3. Well, it was just you spent most of your time in the rule book. There was so many situations and your flow chart was incredible to try to figure out where do I end up from point A to point B and all the twists and turns that went along. So. Well, just things like shooting and assaults um, were just so complicated. Well, they had tank terror for infantry teams, so they never assaulted tanks. Rarely, anyway. And uh, it was uh, it was a complicated game, and that's that's why they went to version four to try to streamline it, uh, take out things that people weren't using all that much. That's probably why they ticked off a lot of people, is because everybody had like their pet move, you know, their yeah. their pet little uh, dinky rule that that nobody knew about, and you could go to a tournament, and surprise everybody with, it and look like a genius, and. Um, but it wasn't really tactics. It was it was um, like rule sniping. I would say is probably the best way to do it. What's that? Shenanigans. Yes. Yeah. It was. It was. Uh, I mean, it, I enjoyed it. I didn't have a real problem with it. But it was just. It felt like there were so many rules tacked on. So many different things. I mean, like you said, when we play a game, it was like. It, I don't think a turn went by where we had to check a rule. Yeah. I mean, so it was some little, yeah. some little thing you had to verify. That it was okay. It's everything here, unless it's eight inches, and then it's good till you go to twelve inches, or and it just got like you said. We spent so much time in the rule book, and it really just made the game much longer than it needed to be. Well, and uh, the rule booklet itself didn't really help. I mean, it was it was like I'm exaggerating. It was like five hundred pages. It's really thick. Yeah. And it was nice that they put in an index, which was another improvement for version 3, but it was still a big book to go through. Uh, the index isn't always as helpful as you would like, you know, that, okay, what's, uh, what's Mike Target or something, and Mike, just look in the index, Mike Target, page 12, page 38, page 42, page, it just went on and on, and, and you're looking through all these pages, and, and yeah, the index narrowed it down for you, but it's... You know, you couldn't get a specific answer because there's so many different places where those things popped up that, you know, it's hard. It, it, it still was a little difficult to find, and it would take up time trying to read those rules. I remember we spent like an hour trying to figure out the uh, the uh, German half tracks rules, yeah. and it wasn't just one rule. It was one thing after another. You know, bailing out and. You know, getting kicked out, what happens when they blow up, what happens when they assault. I think the assault was actually the easy part, and that's yeah. what they focused on. But then when they started doing all the weird stuff with the bailing out and changed all those rules, it was very difficult. So now, I mean, we don't have the half tracks, but now the rules have been streamlined. And uh, Stacy, what, what's been your impression from version 3 to version 4 now? I like the way it plays. It plays a lot easier, a lot simpler. We're not in the rule book as much. Um, biggest thing, I think, is figuring out what you're hitting on. That, that was huge for me. That If I'm shooting, and it doesn't matter if I'm shooting with artillery, planes, or guns, tanks, whatever. When I'm shooting, that team is hit on this number. The only time it's different is when it's assaulting. And so you've got two numbers. Before, you had to know, were you shooting with planes? Were you shooting with artillery? Were you assaulting? Were you shooting? And the number changed so much as to what you're hitting on, not counting the modifiers. That I just, it got, that was a lot of what I liked about it is it's simplified, okay, going out and just shooting something and blowing it up. It just simplified that a lot. Okay. Then? Yes. Your impression of uh, version 4 compared uh, to other systems? I think it's a lot nicer than like some of the stuff like even going on Warhammer right now. Like their version eight that came out, just absolutely. I remember when they added the psychic phase of Warhammer and 40k. That it 
made uh, psychic armies overpowered for a minute. This is about the same way. Just added different modifiers and stuff in. I think that's what they did in version three in Flames of War, but in version four here, it's solid streamlined like a kill team. Okay. Just the the modifiers. Either say if you're on a hill, it's a plus one more to hit. If it's long range, it's another plus one. Right. And it, I think it's a lot more convenient. Okay, I'm going to go along with that. I guess we're going to start with things we like. Um, and uh, Stacy and Dan just said that, and I'm going to say what things I like. I like that they um, they changed up the airplane and the artillery rules. Uh, it's much more useful, I think, and simple. You know, the artillery and the airplane bombs are the same rules. You range in, you roll to hit, you roll your saves, and then firepower if necessary. And, uh, you know, if, if it's uh, a plane that has cannons, then it's just like a regular team on the ground shooting regular shots. And uh, there's a couple differences, of course, but the, uh, I just like that, that you're able to do those things. And they switched up the artillery ranging in, which, Stacy, I think you agree, it, it's so much better now than before, where when you ranged in, you ranged in on the other person's skill and whether they were concealed, gone to ground, whatever. Right. And so you're trying to range in on Germans. You're ranging in on sixes. Yeah. And it was horrible. Like, I couldn't do anything. You, know, you, you have infantry dug in. That's why there was no tactics, no movement. Yeah. You know, these rules, it, it, it uh, compounds because... Once you get these types of rules that make it easier to range in, make it easier to do things, make it easier to go at the double, which is another change, now they call it dash, um, it opens up a lot of options. And when you open up options, you open up tactics. Right. I remember a lot of our games were so static where you plot down your infantry in one spot, you dug in, got on the ground, just waited for me to attack. Yeah, stick and of stoogs in the woods, take yeah, five shots at you. Right, and, and just wear me down, um, or I wear you down, and then once one side got worn down enough, then you would risk an assault. But there was no real flanking, there was no real... I didn't get a sense of tactics on the board as much as I do in version 4. Version 4, at least in the desert, you know, you're flying around, you're doing all different uh, maneuvers, and faints and, and it really feels tactical uh, because of the rule changes and, and one of the reasons is that artillery now you range in on your skill level and your skill you know the only thing that gets modified right, is that template over a piece of terrain that's it and I think that's brilliant I, you know just templates part partially over terrain just add plus one and then, then you start ranging in right and so you range in a lot easier. Well, that's another thing I like, too, about it is when you range in, you pick a point on the ground. You're not, yes. you don't tie it yeah. to a team. You pick a point. Because, I mean, realistically, that's what you did. That's you picked exactly a point right. on the ground, that's where you dropped your... Uh, Everybody I talked to that was thinking about getting into the game or, or uh, was in the game or was getting out of the game, that was one big complaint that everybody had was, how come I have to range in on a guy? Like, if you've got him behind a building, I can't call in artillery on that spot right. because I can't see the team. That made no sense. And, and version 4 fixes that. And, uh, you know, keeping on that topic, you could do that also with smoke, which I think is brilliant. I love the way that they changed up the smoke. Instead of your template just becoming a big smoke bomb, it yeah. now sets up a line of smoke, which is what you did in war. You, you, yeah. you know, you, you made like a, a wall of smoke. You didn't, you know, hit a square area with smoke. It made well, and having the ranged in markers repeat bombardment, I like that a lot better in this version oh, because yeah. you can control an area by just being ranged in in that area. Well, that may not be a team there, but, but you that know, was the British trying. rule. That was the old British rule that they ranged in. You repeat bombardment. They had to re-roll their saves. So that they just took the old British rule and gave it to everybody. Yeah. And that's, that was awesome. Um, another thing that, that really opened up was um, the maneuvers, the, the movement orders. Yes. And um, Yeah, those, those are awesome. Uh, you know, 
that basically they, they kind of took everybody's rule and gave it to everybody because the, the Italians and the Hungarians had Avante, um, the Germans had Stormtrooper, which is now Blitz. Uh, and so, you know, they said, okay, you were actually sort of like Blitz or shooting, it was like a combo. Well, yeah, and they, they still have Stormtrooper, but they've changed it that you get two movement orders if you make the first one successfully. Right, and I think that's fair, and, and that, you know, you don't feel bad as the Germans that you lost that rule, but you get this one, which is way better than the yeah. first one. Yeah, and the fall of me, that's, you know, getting an extra four inches before you assault, that's that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I first saw that, I remember you were explaining it to me. I don't know what happened, either you weren't explaining it right or wasn't hearing it right or whatever, but I remember when you first started telling me about version four and, and like, everybody gets the Stormtrooper move or the Blitz or whatever, I was like, that is the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> I mean, just everything that you said about, uh, come on. Everything that you, you were saying, I was like, that's stupid. I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, I, I hate remember that. that. Oh, and, God. Yeah, sugar. Look like a crazy person here. We've got a cop. And, uh, and I thought version 4 was the worst thing ever. Then I actually got to see the rules and put a couple things on the table and test it out. And I thought it was way better than version 3 because of of these things, of the movement orders, I saw how it actually functioned and uh, and how it affected the game. It, it's hard to describe because the rules just, you look at the rules and the impression that you get is almost the opposite of how it plays. Right. That's weird. Yeah, I remember telling you about it. You were, oh, it just doesn't sound right. I don't like it. It doesn't sound good. Then I noticed the 360 when it started seeing it on the table. It was like, yeah. And then, of course, when the cards came out, the command cards, I think those are a good add, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that turned it for me. Yeah. So, you know, you've got some Crusaders and add Cavalry Commander to them. Not Which only you do today. a follow me and you still get to shoot yeah. and then assault. Wow. I'm Makes them a little stronger. Stolen 25-pounders. Yeah. Yeah. They're, that's something that they never really had in Warhammer when I was playing it. Having was like a command cards, it gave you better options on the field. That's a really good thing they're involved right now. Well, I remember um, another thing too is the uh, I know all the purists hate this, and I, I'm kind of a purist, but you know I've I've been converted a little bit here. Um, the unit cards. I like the unit cards. You know, I like having something that I could place right next to the tanks so I have it there and not have to look at a list and find the unit and find its stats yep. it's colorful you know it's just it's pleasing to the eye I, I like I like using the unit cards and I'm glad they came out with them and I, I, I remember on the forum boards pushing for them to just make a unit card pack and they did I'm not saying they did it because of me I'm sure a bunch of people said it and they're like, well, if there's a demand, we, we better put it out there. And they did. And, yeah. I, you know. The, uh, and the, the Armored Fist unit cards were great because they not only you get the Armored Fist units, but, of course, where they rolled the Desert Rats into that book, you got all those unit cards, too. So that one box, you got all the unit cards for both books. Right. So it was really good to use. Yeah, and that that's... Uh... You know, that, that probably segues really good into the next part, which is things we don't like about version 4. Uh, you know, I'll start with that because, you know, I won't put you on the spot, but the rollout. The rollout, I think everybody can agree, was not the best. Uh, first of all, they restricted the, the units on the Germans and the British so much that uh, a lot of the, the uh, models that people had were no longer good. Now, I guess that was good in business standpoint because I actually bought grants for the British. And, you know, I wanted to get Crusaders, but, you know, I never had interest in grants. I was just like, well, I'll just get the Shermans. Why get the grants? Because you could use Shermans in late war and really uh, be efficient with your model count. Um, but I, I ended up buying grants because that was the only thing that was really available. Um, you know, the... Uh, command cards didn't come out right away. 
when they came out, people thought it was just a gimmick. Uh, the unit cards, I think people just thought it was childish or something. I remember listening to these uh, uh, podcasts and everything. They're so negative. Even today, you know, you still get some negativity about these things. And, um, you know, I just, I think the rollout that they had two underpowered armies to start out, it felt like a beta version rather than a, a real, you know, start to the whole thing. Yeah, that, that was a problem I had with the rollout. And I had Crusaders already uh, put together and painted up. Uh, so I went with the British uh, Army and didn't feel like there was any flavor to the units. I mean, you basically had a motor company, Crusaders, and Grants. And that was your choice. And then, you know, pulling a few support units. But with the command cards, you could get, you know, Australian, New Zealand, Indian. Uh, I mean, you could change your army significantly just by adding a couple command cards that were really right. really awesome um, and I think that changed it a lot right there because I was I was just feeling like maybe this was it maybe they just said okay we'll do this and see how it goes but when they added command cards it really changed it up made it uh, really come to life it's almost like adding the, you know adding the seasonings once you pull it out of the oven it made it feel real uh, had a real good uh taste of the game at that point. One good thing about the way they rolled it out like 200 powered armies, anybody wanting to get back into the game or join the game, it gave them a chance to start from ground zero and work their way up. Like, yeah. I started out with like, you know, just a couple Panzer 3s and uh, Panzer 4s. Yeah, I mean, and I think that was the point of how they did it that way. Why it felt like a beta to us older players is because they're, I think, really catering towards players like Dan to hey, come back in the game it's super simple. You don't have these. Uh, I mean, I look at the uh, the old like gray wolf book or something, and, and I almost get dizzy now looking at it because there's so many options. There's so many different combinations. There's so many different lists, and it's it, it's fun going through them and reimmersing myself. But you know, I'm kind of glad they changed up the force structure to to open it up a little bit and make it more imaginative. I know again with the purists. Uh, it doesn't give that historical type feeling as much as it did before, but I don't know. It it, it was definitely something to get used to. I remember when Stacy and I, we, you and I, were first playing, we had the morale, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm underpowered on the. I have one form, one unit left. Let me roll my company check, and you're like, no, they they just run. I'm like what? Yeah. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> and uh, I know that. That definitely turned off a lot of people. Uh, how you know units run up, but it's much more simple. And once you get used to I it, it makes it. sense. Oh yeah, at first, well, well, you know, at first, not anymore. Yeah, not, not anymore. That, I don't know. That, that morale saved me a few times. Those Wolverines in the last game with you. I was like, oh, they ran. That saved my life. Well, I mean, that the unit running away is very similar. Uh, in, in that case, uh, what you're talking about, it, it would have worked version 3, version 4, same way. But now, the way that they have the units run, you have to be down to one operational tank instead of half, um, two infantry instead of half. Um, yeah, so it takes more units to, you have to lose more teams before your unit runs. Uh, but to make up for that, what they've done is on the f overall formation, you don't get a roll on that. Is you one unit left in that formation, it's gone. So I think they, yeah. they made up for that way. See, so, you know, your teams, your units will stay on the board a little bit longer, but your formation necessarily won't. Right. And, uh, you know, the HQ, that was another thing I had to get used to. The HQ units have to be totally destroyed. They never run. Um, so it gives your your formation staying power um, having that that HQ unit you know it's got to be destroyed otherwise you're you're still in the game so it, yeah there, there are some nuances there that that didn't make sense when I, I read it on paper I know it turned off a lot of people before they really got a chance to play uh, Stace I know you remember that I think the first podcast that came out uh, criticizing version 4 we could not believe the amount of mistakes. I mean, it's like rookie mistakes where 
but you could see yeah. it was version three. What they were so immersed in version three that there was a lot of carryover because there was yeah. stuff. Even in a lot of the action reports that first came out, they were videoed. You could watch and see. Oh wait, you did that wrong, and you know people making comments. Hell, you know, hey, by the way, uh, great video, but yeah. this this would have changed the whole game if you'd done this this way. Right, and they played they played a version three, but I mean these were people that that were really into the game. They're really criticizing version four, and they, you know, the problem that I had with them wasn't that they uh, they didn't like a game or a version that I actually liked. My problem was is that they didn't like the version because they misinterpreted the rules. Right. And if they interpret the rules correctly, then they I don't think they would have had a problem yeah. with it. And that, that's and, the problem. And I won't name names, but I've seen at least one video rant and maybe two or three video rants where they talked about how version 4 was so horrible because of this, this, and this. And when you listen to it, you realized what they were complaining about if you really broke it down, it wasn't because they didn't like the version. It's because they were playing it wrong. Yeah. And what they didn't like was the way they had interpreted it. Well, right. You know, so that's not really had, on Flames board. And if they had interpreted it properly, they would have, you know, they're, they're, they were complaining about something that, that uh, you know, they wanted something that was actually there. Right. And that's, that's what uh, frustrates me about a lot of the criticisms. Now, the rollout, absolutely. Uh, they, I think they... Um, they had a plan in mind. It uh, doesn't make sense to all us veteran players. Um, one thing I do, I'm with Dan on it. You know, first of all, it's really nice for a new player, but it's really nice for a player like me who wants, you know, wants to get into other armies. And was I was just so intimidated to start uh, another army, especially an army like the Italians. I just didn't see the <laughs> point in version two and three playing Italians unless you wanted to show just how amazing you were at the game yeah. because they were I thought they were an underpowered army now they might even be a little OP but they did the rules and the armies uh, after the initial rollout after they did Desert Rats and Africa Corps you know uh, fighting first was I think that brought a lot of people back into the game because they saw okay now the game is starting to look better it's starting to look more like version three the way that they're doing it by having more units and uh, I think a lot of people complain well welcome we don't have Shermans no, no Churchills no Valentines or, and then they came out with um, uh, Iron Fist was it Armored Fist, Armored Fist. and uh, everybody was happy except me probably because I felt kind of ripped off getting the Desert Rat stuff and now I had to get a whole nother book a whole nother set of command because they they nerfed the uh, scout card, which I think is good. But did you have to make me pay ten dollars to uh, to get you know the updated version? You know, it, it just you know. Yes, yeah, I think up, up until then, all the cards that come out, they were five dollars for a pack. Yes. And yes. and I think I think right there they probably could have done that a little different and had the ten dollar box where you get both Desert Reds and Armored Fist, or the five dollar box where you just get the Armored Fist cards. Correct. And, and you know, break out a pen and mark it out on your old scout card. You know, here's what, here's what the new rule is. Uh, yeah. Or if you're gonna use the old scout card, it's it's just you know one point per unit. Just say it's yeah. it's per unit, not the whole formation. That's all you had to do. Yeah. But and it had to be a Desert Rats force, so that people can still feel good about their. Hey, I got the Desert Rats book, and and I'm gonna get a little bit of an advantage on my scout tanks because I don't have I can't get Churchills but on the new card it's it's added to more than just the Stuarts and the Crusaders though isn't it, it seems like there's another force that the scout card could be added to I'll check it later but it seemed like it was another unit that was added to the new card and maybe just the naming on it that they changed it which that's well, I think the, the Valentines is what you're talking about but the Valentines can get it too yeah because yeah, okay. it's anybody with the um, what should I call it the uh Whatever the tally-ho. Tally-ho, there you go. Yeah. Which is a stupid rule. I hate it. <laughs> it doesn't really mean anything. It just, it just alters the stats. And uh, so, yeah, I felt uh, a little ripped off. I know they they like, well, we'll give you a, a Churchill. Well, what if I don't want a Churchill? You know? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I mean, you buy the new book, and you had the, you had the old book and the old cards... You buy the new book, why couldn't they just give you like 
the new cards, maybe, instead. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. Because then everybody can use that instead of the Churchill. So I, I thought there was a couple, you know, bad decisions there that uh, irked me. And, uh, you know, if I was on the brink like a lot of these other version 3 guys, yeah, I might have rage quit. But I like the version so much that, it, you know, at the end of the day, it really didn't bother me. One thing I like they have done is they're switching to plastic. I know a lot of the older players, like, you know, they like the pewter model, the heavier model. Yeah, that's me. I but like you, the heavier. But you can't, you can't modify it. You can't paint it a certain way. And metal, like a... I like painting the plastic. You can actually, you know, if you take a lighter, a little heat, you can change the way some of the models of each make a little bit of a individuality to each little unit, so all look in the same direction. You know, like uh, like the Russians. I ordered the Russian uh, the, the the Gaunt unit coming up. They're advertising for this. I think it's an October release, but it's all plastic, so. I have an idea what I'm going to do with them. I'm going to, like, you know, they're all not going to be shaped the same way, so I'm just going to be holding the gun a certain way, and there's more modification. With a Peter model, you just don't have that. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're you're more of a, the art side of, of uh, wargaming. You know, you've done a lot of modifications. Like, I mean, that's one of the biggest draws of, like, 40K and so forth, is that you can oh, yeah. really... Uh, really take artistic license with the models and then go blow them up still you know it's it's really you know whereas uh, the, the historical war games one thing I'm not a, I don't know I am and I'm not a fan of is that you you're supposed to stick to a certain scheme like you know you start rolling out purple and pink tigers that's you know people are gonna be taken aback by it because it just doesn't make sense not, not even like uh, the camouflage is one thing like you know but like the camouflage I'm running with my unit right now is uh, based off of the not the ROMs they're the I think it's the 335th uh, Centauro unit or something like that right I was looking up pictures online and that's how they did but you can put different things on them like honestly you look at some of the tanks from World War II in the pictures it kind of looks like an oddball off of uh, Kelly's Heroes you know there's like okay. A tent here, there's a, a, a box here, maybe not like, you know, a, a giant megaphone on top playing, right. you know, Wagner, but uh, just Yeah, you can take some modified. You can take some license with it, but you're still restricted within a certain thing, whereas with 40K, you have no restrictions whatsoever. Yeah. You, know, you want to make uh, a red, orange, green, you know, Christmas tree. Space Marines, you could do that. Uh, up, to, up to a point, like, uh, like I, I'm a Chaos player in 40K, so yeah, we have a lot of different things. We try to keep it. Anybody like uh, chooses a, a Space Marine chapter, like you know, I, I like the World Eaters. I stick to uh, from a Horse Heresy. I stick to them being blue and white, and you know that's their colors that they were during the Horse Heresy. And when they go to the you know the 40K version, uh, they're solid red like the berserkers they are right and you try to keep it within that like uh there's the emperor's children and you know it just i don't know it's just like you try to keep the paint scheme kind of like with the camouflage like the germans i painted with the camouflage and then more of a normandy scheme on them but right. it could pass for north africa Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at my paint job on my Crusaders and everything, I know it's totally wrong, but, it, I, you know, I like it. Am I going left for All right. Um, so I know it's totally not historical, but to the untrained eye, it still fits in World yeah. War II desert. You know, like, oh, okay, that, that looks like something that could be done in the desert. Yeah, you know, I got the tricolor going, and uh, yeah, just yeah. throw some yeah. weathering on it. I mean, it'll, it'll fit perfect because you don't know. Like uh, camouflage, there was no real true artistic. You know, even during the war, you didn't know what people were going to paint on the on their tank. They just had them hide it. That's their goal. Reality. Right. Like uh, I think the American troops at one point were just mixing lime with uh, during the winter campaign. Just 
white anything, like lime with, uh, I think, a soap water or something, and put it on the tank just to whiten out the green a little bit. To, uh, right. Just something. And I know the Germans, they painted, like, I think I saw a picture of one where it was an 88 with the uh, face shield, and the face shield had, like, little squiggly lines just drawn on it, purple, not purple, uh, you have to say purple now, uh, brown and green. Uh-huh. And it was just a a crazy on-the-spot camouflage. Right. So, I mean, you can do different styles of camouflage, but it's got to be camouflage. Oh, yeah. You know, you can't oh, put yeah. different like, colors. I, like... I'll, I'll be honest. I'll, since I was playing Luigi today, I was kind of half-tempted to paint it, like, bright green with, like, white stripes on it or something. Well, it'd be awesome if you did that to the commander. Like, yeah, that, commander that, that, like that was cool. I still little... might, to be honest, if I could find me another M14. That would be awesome to get, like, Mario and Luigi oh, yeah. commanders. Or, or Bruno, like uh, Popeye's Bruno on top of it. Yeah, so I mean, the, or Bluto, can, that's Bluto. Yeah, I know somebody made, they, they put up a picture of like Santa Claus driving a tiger, and it's <laughs> awesome. But I mean, the tiger still looks like a tiger, you know, it doesn't look well, I like. Saw, I saw on the Flames of War website where they had Doctor Who on top of yeah, uh, yeah. A, a, well, I forget what it was. It's what, uh, it was a panther, I believe. No, 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 it was a. Uh, it was the modern British tank, whatever they use oh, right yeah, now. Oh, the, yeah. The Centurion. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it was an objective marker for their national tournament. Yeah. I was sitting there like, that's, that's Doctor Who, man. That's pretty cool. You know what I'd like to put on there if I could? You ever see uh, Road Warrior? Yeah. Yes. The guy's playing the guitar, the big yeah. speaker. Oh, there, the, the nuke. <laughs> I'm making him right oh, now. Oh man! For Imagine my, you put uh, that on a tank, or put it on top of a panther or something. I made I made the War Boys for my uh, my cultists for Warhammer. So uh -huh. I have uh, Immolten Joe. He's the uh -huh. like I, I have those, but yeah. See, that, I mean, yeah. That, that's that's where Warhammer really, um, you know, if you're you're artistic and you like doing these things as Dan does, uh, that's that's your world. You know, that that really makes the game have another level of fun yeah well but, I, i'm not artistic so <laughs> only thing my big goal with it is to make sure i don't have any silver surfers yeah, yeah uh, exactly and I'm, so you, and you know and, and i'm not really good at painting anyway as right. if anybody's ever seen my candy cane stoops yeah. uh, you know that um, but i just try to make them look table ready and that's it i don't i just don't want silver surfers but that's the, that's why i like doing the flames of war went back to it really is like i enjoyed painting like historical models a little bit because it just it, it gave you a break from the the wild stuff because yeah you don't have skulls hanging off people's shoulders and whatnot you know <laughs> well and, and to go to your point stacy it i think the scale makes it easier because yeah you know you, you look at you know, if we're going for a painting contest and they pick up the model and they put it within a foot of their face, they're going to see, oh, yeah, this is not a great job. But you put it down on the table and take a picture of it, they look pretty good. Yeah. You know, I'm That's pretty it. happy about it. There's lots of room for error. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a forgiving way to get into a painting model's hobby because the scale is smaller. Um, and you, you can still do detail. You know, it's still big enough for people like Dan to to do what they do best but it's small enough to hide you know my kind of paint style where it just you know it's not going to stand up to close scrutiny but on a table it looks pretty darn good yeah i've got i don't think i have a yeah i've got one completed unit in my whole army that i actually completed uh let's count airplanes i i, I grew up painting airplanes model airplanes so i love doing airplanes uh, but this is my tanks and my infantry. I haven't got them to a completed state. I've got. I was looking. I've got a box of decals. I need to get onto my tanks and get them wrapped up. It's just I'm the worst on decals. Too. Oh, I love yeah. decals. It's like the only thing because it actually makes it my, my models look yeah. good. Well, see, I, I, I love decals. I love putting yeah. them on, but I know I don't have them to the point that I can put the decals on yet. So I'm kind of well. Let's I, wait. Honestly, I. I have a big gaming table at the house I paint on and everything, and I wind up losing the decals. That's my worst problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that is that is tough. But when I got the... I remember this guy. Man, I hope he's still around. But he would make these custom decals that you could put on your tank or, or whatever. I bet, you know, like for Warhammer, it would be awesome to get his custom decals. And uh, he made these, like, 
shoulder patches for my Airborne, my American Airborne, like the Screaming Eagles or the, the 82nd. And uh, I was able to get, I mean, they were so tiny. It was, it, you needed like a microscope just to see them. You know, I'll, I'll show them to you. Remember the state yeah, sales? I, I was like, I don't know, I can't, I can't even see if they're on there or not. You know, yeah. I just had the trouble seeing them even on the model. And uh, I figured, hey, if I could do those decals, shoot, well, I can do any of the decals. I was at uh, Hobby Lobby the other day, free advertising here, um, <laughs> and they had a little packet of printable decal sheets. So the sheets were empty, but you oh, could run them through an inkjet really? or a laser jet or something. Oh. And, yeah, so. That's I how almost, that guy did it. I almost picked up a pack. I'll probably get them next time I'm in well, there. Well, do you have a printer that could do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that that's small? Uh, if I, yeah, i got a 1200 resolution printer. It should be able to do it. Oh, man. Put oh. a little American flags or yeah. something. And, you know, put fury on the, <laughs> on the barrel. And, you know, that'd be amazing. Stubborn to meal. I mean, yeah. that, you, you, again, as an artist, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can still do stuff. It's still possible. So, you know, that I think Flames of War with the 15 millimeter uh, hits a sweet spot, for at least for me. Um, you know, if I, I sometimes, you know, I pick up the old models for 40K and I try to paint them, I'm just never really entirely happy. Again, they look great on the, the table, but... You know, that, that's more of an artist type of game, I think, than an actual war game. Uh, there's a lot of bass players, as I say, in 40K, too, that just like playing the game. Uh-huh. But it just it gives you something to do, really. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a... I, I need to take a, a drink break, so I'm going to shut up the recording here. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back. Uh, Stacy had a great point in the break. What were you going to say, Stacy? Yeah, on the, one of the things I still don't like on the version 4, but I, I heard it's in the works for mid-war, is the Forces of War website, you can't make lists on there for the mid-war point system. And I know it's in the works and it's coming, but, you know, when you go to a tournament and, you know, it's customary you bring a list to give your opponent so they know what you're, they're fighting you. Uh, on the turn here, I think, or is it? Yeah, I think it's right there. No, 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 no yeah, that's, 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 that's Oh, okay. Yeah, we're still driving to the tournament. Oh, okay, my fault. Yeah, that would take us the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, they, so, I made the point that they have the unit cards, and that, that pretty much takes the place of forces of war, but when it comes to tournaments, you're saying... Yeah, you got to provide your opponent a, a list so they know what you have. Uh, right. It's just a customary thing. And, uh, you know, I, I've actually got my own Excel spreadsheet put together now, so I'm kind of over then, that. But even then, it doesn't show everything. Bless you. Excuse me. It's, um, yeah. well, yeah, it doesn't show everything. It doesn't show the it shows special rules or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't give you any definitions of special rules or anything of that nature. Uh, it does give you what, you know, my AT, what guns I've got any command cards that I'm using, but yeah. Um, it's, and the, the books don't always give you the definitions of the rules, it's only on the cards. Yeah. So that that was one thing that I thought was disappointing. I got a, I think for mine I just got literally what I'm carrying printed, printed out on like Yeah, I copied your, I did yeah. the same thing. And then I got a, extra cards, I could just say, well, during this part of the tournament, you can look at this and see what I, I have, because... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I just listed to show that I've got 85 points. Um, what is this, Stacy? This is uh, West. So no, yeah, don't take this. Um, uh, you know, so I'm going to give them the list, show it's 85 points, and I'm going to show them the command cards and the, the unit cards so they can get an idea beforehand. And, and just leave it on the table if he ever wants to read it. He could just read it on the table. Which actually I think is easier. You know, I hate looking at lists on at people's stuff that I'm not aware of. And there was no entrance to the highway. No, you're fine. You're still coming up. Okay. And, uh, you know, it makes it easier because in version 3, 
you had to look at the person's army book to see all the special moves they can do. And that's that's where a lot of the sneakiness came in on the rules. Sniping, I, I call it. Yeah. And, um, you know, now with the cards, you know, you can just lay the car out, card out there and uh, you know that it's, you know, exactly what it is. You can read it over right there. You don't have to go fishing for the rule to find out what it is. Yeah, no flipping through the book. Yeah. That, that kills you at a tournament because you're, you're timed. It, uh, obviously, it's going to take away from your gaming times. I've, I've, you know, I lost the battle. Whatever we lost, it was a draw. But had I had five or ten more minutes, could have played one more turn. Uh, of course, it didn't help my opponent jumped on the phone for 15, but, you know. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. A lot of people use, I think, sometimes the more confounded the rules to try to win games like that. You know, yeah, that's 40K a, does that sometimes. Right. Sometimes. <laughs> if, if that's all it is. I mean, just, that's the tactics in 40K since forever. Uh, that's been my complaint, and which is why I, I like version 4 so much, because it really does, in that sense, separate itself from the other formats where, you know, and that's why I like Napoleon War. I thought, you know, I know, Stacy, you're still lukewarm on it, but um, it, it was very, very tactical. You know, you, you did have some special rules that, that jumped in there, and it's very Flames of War type feel, but, you know, all the maneuvering and everything was was so smooth compared to the other Napoleonics out there that uh, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that, that aspect. So, all right, well, I guess we're done on that part. Let's let's move to... You're talking about comic shops, too. Yeah, what, what do you want to do first, comic shops or tournaments? Uh, then we did comic shops. Okay, because yeah, this is going to be like a huge rant, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll start off and just... Uh, give a shout out to the guys at uh, Borderland Comics in Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, first tournament I ever played was there. I go back every year. They have Skoda Fest in November. It's awesome. Uh, Joe Skoda sponsors that. And it's just, they they know how to do Flames of War. They have a big uh, following. Guys come in and play. Uh, they use Facebook to get guys connected and be able to play you know during the week on the weekend uh when they're in town but i mean they really promote flames of war they now that's not to say they don't have other systems because they do i mean they have other uh gamers in there uh warhammer they have uh, i think i think they may even i don't know sure if they do magic or not but they the flames of war there i mean that got me that kept me in it when it went to version four and but so anyway you shout out to them but where we live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Tell them about that map, the player map. Dave's uh, not on that yet, but... Okay, yeah, the player map. You go... They, they have the player map there, and I think it's through Google Maps. Somebody set that up. Uh, he said... Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing. You go in there, and you you, you register, and they put a... a well, let a me pin. modify that. It's amazing until I saw where I was. Well, that's where I'm headed, yeah. yeah. So... You can go to this map, find guys that are in your area, and say, okay, well, these guys will play. I can email them and get a game set up at a local shop, and it's really awesome. So I go to the map. I said, this is cool. I get on there. Of course, Chris is on there, so I zoom in where his pinpoint is, and there's desert. <laughs> there's desert. Nobody's on there. But it's amazing. And it's a huge a, circle it's around. It's a perfect circle. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that, that old Sun and Live sketch where they had... Uh, what was that singer that just died recently? Uh, I gotta have faith. Um, yeah, no, no idea. Faith. Anyway, I mean, uh, Dana Carvey played him, and he was like, "Look at my butt, Dennis. It's a perfect circle. British <laughs> scientists use it to measure things." And you know, it was, it, it was just kind of like that. It was a perfect circle of like 150 miles radius yes. of nothing. Nothing. I mean, and, and there's tons of people on the on that circumference, but not inside. It's yeah. it's amazing in any direction. And and you know, when I got into this, what four or five years ago, we you know, we have a comic shop there in, in our local town in Princeton. And I call them up, and they're like, "Oh, nobody plays that. That's that's nobody plays that anywhere." 
I'm like, uh, they play everywhere else. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, that, that may be a reason why we have such deserts, because yeah, it's the comic shops just don't promote it. Well, another thing is comic shops. There's like one in Backley. There used to be one in our town, but situations happened, I reckon. And uh, it's just tough to find a game anywhere. Like, like I go to Chris's house to play, and where we used to go to the comic shop there. But even then, it was like just me, him, or you stay. So it was just yeah. yeah. That was it. Well, I mean, there's there's probably a couple people that would play if the comic shop generated any kind of excitement. Yeah. You know, said, hey, we're going to do this this tournament. Hey, Battlefront, can you send us a map so that we can do a campaign or something? You know, hey, can, you know, well, we're, we're going to put up a map yeah, and you guys they, take care of it. In their defense, they did send the starter boxes to the shop there. Before, yeah, but then they play. didn't do anything with them. Yeah, they didn't do anything with them. I mean, that, that's the whole point. You get those boxes and you you run events say, hey, we're going to do a demo Saturday at 3 o'clock for Flames of War. You know, come check it out. But they had trouble getting people in for anything at that place. Well, I wonder why. Well, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, went, I went to a couple of the X-Wings tournaments, and they had pretty good turnout for those. Yeah. But they, they promoted it, put right. it on their website. You yes. know. It wasn't the shop that promoted it a lot of times. It was players there. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly yeah, yeah, our it point. The players that did it. That like, exactly I think it was Paul point. and David promoted the X-Wing stuff. Like, I played with Dave a little while until he kept doing the jump thing with me. You know, like, I, uh, but, I mean, it, it's your business. Yeah. And that's why they're not in business now, probably. We weren't asking them, like, hey, you need to stock, like, $5,000 worth of Flames of War stuff so I can come in here and buy one thing a month. Yeah. It was, hey, could you just promote it? Could you just say, this is what's happening here, you know, talk to customers, put up a sign, you know, just write on a whiteboard or something. This is, you know, new event. And, you know, put it on Facebook. It doesn't take much. We weren't asking for a yeah. great deal from the comic books, the comic stops around us, and they just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, it's really and frustrating. The thing about that one, and it really was, the, the other thing that's frustrating is I, I would find deals online. You know, you get deals online, and they would have the same item for sale for much more. And I would ask them, you know, meet me in the middle on that, and I'll buy it from you instead of them. No, no, you can't buy it for that price. I said, I'm looking at it right now. No, you can't get it for that purchase yeah i just yeah, did it wasn't like you know, hey fine. we can't you know we can't go down on the price yeah it was they were denying you what you were saying yeah i mean it, but but and you never, could show them on the phone yeah i could show them on the phone and it just still told me i couldn't get it for that price i killed a lot of comic shops though but a lot of them don't even want to do the gaming scene outside of magic the gathering or yeah Warhammer. well i mean there's I think that's the only tournaments I ever saw in the store that I remember that I actually witnessed. The, obviously, the X-wing that I played in, but they did Magic: The Gathering and they did Hero Clicks. I think that was all they had. No, they, they, they did Warhammer. I did. I, I mean, did I play Warhammer there occasionally. Yeah, I just never saw one. I, I know they talked about it, promoted it. I just never saw one in action. Well, that, here's the thing: if the players didn't do all the work, they didn't do anything. Right. And that's the difference between having, you know, uh, an area with lots of players and, uh, you know, 300 diameter <laughs> circle yeah. of nothing. Uh, yeah, you know, where the, the businesses just don't seem to get it around us that, you know, you... Well, and, and I think it's more than just... Customers want something. Not having the players in that area because I, I've dealt with the... I've, well, I've dealt with, I've talked to the store out of Charleston. You know, they have a convention up there and I ask them about well, what about doing a flames of war well if you do everything we'll, we'll put it on our website that you're going to do everything yeah you know, you'll have it and i'm like well that defeats the whole purpose i want to play in the tournament i don't want to run the thing but you know so it's just in that area and it's west virginia i think and that, it is. that that or there's, there's a different you know, attitude it's it. it's the fantasy war gaming which you know i have no problem with that but it's the mindset of no, there's nothing else. It's only a fantasy war gaming, and right. that that frustrates me. You know. I, well, I mean, it, I I think it's just the stores too. The way that the owners conduct yeah. themselves. Yeah. Um, they have certain games in mind that they want to have in their store, 
And if somebody comes along and says, hey, let's do a different game, they're not interested. You know, hey, you want to do something, play at our tables, that's great. You know, go ahead and do it. Um, as long as you don't get in the way of magic and 40K, you're, you're good to go. You can come in and, and buy our overpriced stuff, and, and you know, that's it. Like, I, you know, I, it, there's, there's always a complaint by comic book stores that people come in, and it's a valid complaint, I'm totally with them. They come in, they, they play a tournament, and they don't buy anything, and they leave. Yeah. And what's the point of having a store, you know, to do that? You're not going to make any money. You're going to go out of business. So right. I totally understand, and, and, and uh, I'm with them on that. But on the on the flip side, you got customers saying, "Hey, we want to play this game," and you are unwilling to lift a finger to help them. Right. And why should they buy stuff from your store and not online when they can get it cheaper? Well, when I was in Queens, New York, living. They had like a, they had comic shops about everywhere, but any place that did the war gaming, if you wanted to use a table, yeah, you could rent it for, uh, it's like uh, $2 yeah. an hour that's or something. True. Yeah, and it's, that's how they made some of their money, because they knew people would just come in to play the game and leave. Right. And so that you could literally rent the table for like two or four hours, whatever, and you're, like, you're out like maybe 10 bucks. Yeah, but you see, that, that's a different environment, because people in New York may not, you know, they may live in a small apartment, they may yeah. not have a place at home yeah. to play, so they have to do that, they have to rent a table. Out here in West Virginia, you know, I've got an extra room dedicated to, to Flames of War, and we go in there, and we play, and we don't need a comic shop to, to have a table to play, or, you know, even have a tournament, I could have a mini tournament in my house. I mean, like, uh, for two people, like, if, like if I was to come play or something, we could play at the comic shop, which is a good middle area, because sometimes I'm at work, and, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're on patrol at the comic book. <laughs> <laughs> the joys of being the senior guy. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I keep thinking of the Chick-fil-A story, Dan, uh, Stacey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, we should mention that. Yeah. Anyway. Well, not that you, I mean, it was, the joke was about you, but yeah, you didn't do it. <laughs> no, I, I think it's more. I think it's funnier being rebellious in a, in your imagination and actually doing the stupid act that yeah. gets you in trouble. But right, it's, sorry, but it's a. But I mean, you can meet in the middle of like even like I told him at that at that comic shop. It's all like, why don't you just rent the table out or say have a club thing for like pay like five bucks a month to be a member and you can use any of our facilities like generate revenue that way so you don't feel like you're out anything whenever you know just something because honestly a comic shop needs revenue to pay rent and yes. another thing is the place they rented was kind of more expensive than it wasn't a good place to place a shop in a way yeah. well I mean uh, I don't know I remember when that, I first started going to that it wasn't the same owners. I think it changed hands three times. Because there was there was a place across the street from the post office, and then they moved to where Zumba is now or whatever. Yeah. Martial arts, and then they moved to the mall that they were at that they just left. And to be honest, I like the little place across the street from the uh, um, post office better. It's more intimate, but they. That group of people did what you want. You know, we wanted to play Star Wars miniatures, and, and they said, "Yeah, we'll set up a tournament." Uh, you know, they didn't have prize support, but you know, if you paid into it, they would. You know, kind of it's kind of like chipping in for a booster box, and then they give it to the winner or whatever. And, you know, they at least try. You know, they they would promote it. They would have things, and then as they kept moving and changing owners, they just seemed to be less willingness to try new games and try well, things. The other thing they could do too, and I've seen this, is give everybody a 10% discount on whatever the theme of that tournament is. So if it's Flames of War, 10% discount on anything Flames of War. Or if it's Warhammer, you know, put a discount on the Warhammer uh, stuff. But yeah, it's the willingness to assist that wasn't, it's, it's just not there. To do something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just write it on your board. Put it on uh, 
Facebook, you know, talk to people about it. It costs you nothing to do that, really. And uh, see how it goes. You know, if we're a bunch of jerks and we come up and tear up the place, then, hey, tell us not to, you know, can't do that anymore. But, you know, if we start bringing in new customers and, and start a whole new thing to get people to buy, I don't see how that, that's a problem. It just seemed like it was to a lot of these owners near us. I'm not talking about anybody else. Yeah. I'm talking about why there's a big circle of nothing. You know, the sphere of death. It's like the dome. Remember that show, The Dome? It's like the dome. Flames of War. Nobody but you and me and Dan can enter. Everybody else is blocked out of it. And, uh, and you know, that's one of the reasons. And I'm just really disappointed. There's Charleston and Beckley now, and that's the closest comic shops I know of. They'll actually host uh, Flames of War in the mountain there. But really, they do Flames of War. Oh, I've seen a, I've seen the stuff up there. Whether they did something with it or not, I don't know. Yeah, and, yeah, Beckley Charleston doesn't have it. No, Beckley they won't. They don't have. They they've told this we can come play, but they don't have anybody that plays Flames of War. They're not going to order it or anything. Yeah. Now, Charleston, they, I don't know if they stock it, but they said they do have a group of guys that play there. But that's, that's still, it's a two-hour drive for us to... Yeah, it's a two-hour drive to anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. Uh, it's, and it may just be the area, too. I mean, it's a very outdoorsy area. Yeah. People like getting on their ATVs and riding on their property, go hunting, go fishing. Well, uh, I, I've got friends and family be interested in it. It's just with... You know, a lot of them with work schedules, they just don't have time. I mean, that's... Well, that's everybody. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, I don't <laughs> well, know. you think it's going to be different in New York City? Like, no, no, no. I'm talking <laughs> about... I mean, I've got one guy I know he would play, but he leaves for work at 6 in the morning, gets home at 10 at night, six days a week. Yeah, so I mean, he's, that's, that's he's just slammed right now. And then the one day he's off, he's sleeping. Though. Exactly. I know exactly yeah. what he's talking about. Yeah. So, he, but, you know always looking for new people to get interest i've got a couple guys that are interested right now that uh, still our drive to go to where they where they live for either them to come to my house or me go to theirs um, so it's uh yeah, it's tough it's tough being out in this area uh, trying to play it it's kind of uh yeah i don't really have regret because you know living in new york I'm looking at the, the shops in New York. They don't play Flames of War either. That's a big city. Wow. You figure yeah. somebody plays it out there. Somebody would stop. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody in Manhattan, but, you know, Long Island, or way out Long Island, way out in Suffolk, or but what is that, the war stores out there? So yeah. they got something going on way out on the island. But, you know, again, that's like a two-hour drive through traffic minimum. Yeah. Oh, no, Dave. I played Warhammer up there, and they played to have the actual Games Workshop store in Manhattan proper, like about five or six blocks from uh, Bryant Park. But uh, on Queens, where I was, I know they had like a little shop on uh, Austin Street, and I'd play in there occasionally, and it was just, but you rarely saw anything Flames of War at all, if anybody yeah, did. Yeah, it's always 40K or Magic. Both, you know, I mean, that's those are the good games. Fantasy was real big up there too. Yeah, but Games Workshop oh, did a number on them, so yeah, yeah Games Workshop. You want to kill something, they'll do it for you. <laughs> like first game you like, Games Workshop will yeah. kill it. Uh, except for 40k, I mean, that's well, they kind of killed 40k there for a minute with the that whole. I don't know what they did. They tried to streamline it completely. They took out templates, which I understand that, but. I like the templates. I, I thought that was one thing that got really right, where you, know, you drop a template and then it, it, you know, if you don't hit bullseye, it drifts, but you know, the distance. That that reminded me of uh, Mech Warrior, a game I used to play. That's what really got me into miniatures. Was Mech Warrior, where you drop artillery, and you know, depending on what kind of artillery, you had a certain amount of templates, and it was just really a, like a, a palm. Like a disc, and yeah. you roll, and the worse you rolled, the more it would drift, and it would drift in a random direction. And 
then it had a blast radius of one, two, or three inches, or it was even one with four inches. So I thought that that's what they, you know, the templates. I thought they got that right. Yeah, Maybe. but a lot of there was a lot of bickering about whether you know you rolled the dice to see which way it went down, and then they would uh, a lot of arguments about the direction. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. argued over directions. Well, that that's like another thing that I thought Mech Warrior did right was that. On the palm, it had pips for the direction. So if you rolled, let's say, a six, it went straight up. And you would just take your ruler from the center dot and just line it up through the pip. Yeah, that would And then drag it up a, a certain Yeah, I mean, man, that, that was. That game, that. I don't know if we should go into the whole thing with Mech Warrior, man. Whiz, the Whiz Kids, you blew it when you got rid of Mech Warrior. What a great game. And uh, if you ever got a chance to play, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, man, you missed out. Big giant robots punching each other. It, it, I know, um, what's that game that's like that? That's pretty popular. War Machine? Yeah. War Machine gets close. I think War Machine does a great job of doing that. But, uh, I don't know, steampunk versus real technology. Yeah. I prefer the real technology. If, if, if War Machine was like Mech Warrior or Battletech, I'd be all over it. And I know they did like Battletech now uh, with hexagons instead of the clicks. Yeah, I'm just not interested. I don't think it's as good. Yeah. Right, I'm going to cut this right here. And then uh, we'll go to the next segment.